Welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Mick West. My guest today wants to remain anonymous. He goes by the name Paradigm Shift on uh, Metabunk. And we talk a lot on Metabunk about 9-11 and 9-11 conspiracy theories. And Paradigm Shift uh, is a proponent of the controlled demolition conspiracy theory, or at least he has a lot of questions which lead him to think that it's quite a, a plausible uh, reality that the World Trade Centers would have been destroyed by explosives and not just by the planes flying into them. We butted heads on Metabunk a few times, and I thought it would be good to have a one-on-one discussion so we could kind of understand better where the other person is coming from. This is one of my longer podcasts at an hour and a half, but it's very interesting if you want to try to understand why somebody believes in a conspiracy theory like the 9-11 controlled demolition conspiracy theory, or if you're just interested in the various 9-11 conspiracies. So here he is, Paradigm Shift. All right, so uh, welcome to the show, uh, Paradigm Shift, and thank you very much for being here. Uh, thank you very much for having me on, Mick. It's actually uh, my time on a podcast like this, so I'm actually kind of excited to yeah. be able to engage in this. So the reason I wanted to talk to you is that we've been talking on Metabunk, uh, and we've been yeah. having a, a variety of disagreements about uh, different things, and specifically you're very interested in talking about uh, 9-11 related topics and uh, so you know I, we've kind of butted heads on Metabank a bit and I think it's good just to talk to someone directly and you know you get much better communication when you're actually just talking by voice rather than typing stuff out so I think it's a good opportunity for me to explain myself to you and for you to explain yourself to me um, so I'd like to just talk about the topics in general. That's all sound sound all right? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, uh, so basically, you want to talk about like because um, when when we were discussing actually starting the podcast, you were interested that I said I used to believe the official story mm-hmm. and that I actually changed my mind about it. Yeah, so so basically, just some background about me. I'm actually just a university student in my final year. I study politics and journalism, and uh, so incidentally, actually, my best subject in high school was physics, so I have a slight background. I wouldn't say I'm an expert or anything, but I happen to know some of the basics involved when it comes to some of the terms that people mention, like, you know, free fall and all that stuff. So I kind of understand some of the science that goes behind that, although I wouldn't say I'm an expert and I'm still trying to understand it a bit better. And I'd say that from what I've what I've noticed from, uh, from your site is that actually, and I've tried to make this point, actually, that you do do a good job debunking a lot of things that are false and i think mm-hmm. that is it, that needs to be clarified that i don't necessarily think that you know anyone who disagrees with what i'm saying or what is contrary to popular belief is all wrong there are good sides good points on on both sides and bad sides on both points and that's kind of my perspective on it so i'll, I'll just get a little bit deep into that so basically i uh, i grew up with kind of neutral to 9-11, like, I'm just, essentially, you could say, let's just keep it at that, I'm a, I'm a foreigner, basically, so I don't have any direct ties to the U.S. or to uh, Al-Qaeda or whoever was supposed to be involved. I'm just a neutral third party. So I was pretty much exposed to 9-11 as a child through the media, word of mouth, uh, you know, movies, articles, whatever people would say. So I, I never really gave it much of a second thought. I kind of just went with the uh, official narrative as it was. And then, you know, as I started getting a little bit older, especially in school, you know, it started to become a little bit more of a 
of a topic to talk about, you know, in classes, having little debates with your friends, just talking about things that are of concern. And you hear, uh, you actually start to find out a little bit more that you maybe didn't know. So I was still under the impression for a while that, uh, you know, everything's fine. The uh, official story that we live, we live kind of in a, and I, I think you would, you would probably agree with this too, that most people are pretty ignorant of some of the realities of the world in terms of uh, political economic statuses. I, I just want to I don't know if you would agree with that, at least on a, on a very vague level. Yeah, I'd say so, because I think you know, most people are, you know, they don't really far, follow foreign affairs very much, Then most people are generally just interested in the things around them, and a lot of people don't even watch the yeah. news. So, yeah, certainly I would say most yeah. people are ignorant of, of world affairs. And I wouldn't like to call use the term ignorant in a you know that pejorative way, though. It's kind of like just yeah. they just don't yeah, follow it. They're not, not interested in it. it. Just, yeah. Agreed, and it's yeah, and I'd like to make the distinction that it's not willful ignorance. It's more of just a uh, the world is just so overly saturated with so many different topics that it it isn't. I wouldn't expect every single person to focus on just one thing. You know, like obviously there's going to be a few people who focus on a few things, like you and me here, and other people who focus on other things that are probably more important uh, to them and for the field field that they're in. Uh, for me, it just so happens that you know because. I'm involved in politics and journalism. It happens to be such a, a big uh, political event, right? Something that spurred things like the Patriot Act, uh, the countless wars that have been going on in the Middle East and all that stuff. So to me, it does signify a big historical event that perhaps requires some clarification because there is, in my point of view, and I, I would I would think this of a lot of people as well, uh, although I'm not going to speak for anyone else, just myself, that... There, there is some clarification still needed about 9/11. There is still some mystery, and some some things that haven't been answered, and it, and mistakes were made, yes. But it's it's a matter of, uh, I I think essentially that we don't have the complete story, and that's pretty much my stance. Yeah, no, and that's that's fair enough. I mean, a lot of people would argue that there's there's questions regarding like even just at the the very simplest level something i talk about is like was there incompetence that was covered up during the response to 9-11 just under the conventional official story you know there's things like uh you know jets being sent in the wrong direction uh things like that yeah there are obviously questions about uh you know 9-11 that remain unanswered to this day uh like we don't know exactly who who paid uh, for the hijackers, for example, if you know, just assuming the official story is correct, or even if it isn't, you know, obviously some people got on those planes. What exactly did they do? Mm-hmm. We we don't know, you know, exactly what happened, and you know, we don't know exactly what happened in the planes. And there's obviously uh, things from like you know physics point of view that we don't know. Uh, we don't know exactly what happened inside each of the buildings because you know they were on fire and there was a lot of smoke and you couldn't see. So there's uncertainties. And unknowns uh, about nine eleven. I think there always will be. And uh, but you're you're focusing on ones that you think that there we could actually get answers to. Uh, I, I think that's uh, it's a reasonable statement. Uh, not necessarily that we could get answers to, but perhaps some some answers that we might have even been misled on, mm-hmm. and possibly not answers that not questions that we could get answers but perhaps clarified 
if you understand what I mean, at least shed more light on, if not completely answer. Right. Well, it's just like lay our cards on the table here. Like, would you say describe yourself as someone who you think there it was like a controlled demolition, or you suspect it might be a controlled demolition, like uh, say the collapses of yeah, Willing Seven? I, I suspect that. Uh, so yeah, basically my stance is uh, not that I suspect it was a controlled demolition necessarily. It's just that some of the evidence and even looking at the buildings might indicate that. For me, the uh, one one of my main contentions was NIST refusing to test for the possibility mm -hmm. of controlled demolition, uh, refusing to test for explosives when there were multiple eyewitnesses who uh, saw explosives, including first responders, uh, eyewitnesses who were both in the buildings uh, prior to the impact and after, before the onset of collapse, and uh, policemen, reporters being recorded on camera, People, the way people describe the explosions, you know, they, they, they heard big babooms or they heard a series of explosions. And it's like, it's just, in a, in a terrorist attack, it just seems odd to me that explosives wouldn't be tested for. I mean, forget, even in the controlled demolition scenario, it doesn't necessarily mean inside job. It could still have been a pre-planned job by the supposed terrorists who are the suspects. And even in that scenario... I would think that it deserves to be tested for because that could indicate a much possibly larger plan that they were involved with, with mm -hmm. because ultimately 9-11 was a successful conspiracy by Al-Qaeda. And see, those facts, I'm not disputing. For me, it's just how the buildings came down, mainly the science behind this report. Right. To me, it's, a lot of it is just, it's just questionable. Yeah, anyway, I've heard that that a lot. Uh, I, I've I read the NIST report uh, quite extensively and looked at the science, and from from my perspective, it seems okay. And you know, I think that really gets me about you know this idea that there might be explosives. And I think that most people who aren't really familiar with the topic, that you know, the the fact is that uh, a plane flew into the building, into each building, and created this giant hole in it. And then they were had this raging fire for like, you know, 50 minutes, like an hour and a half or whatever it was for each one. And it, it seems unnecessary to have any other mechanism there. It would seem just the, just the fact that the planes, uh, you know, the, the planes flew into the building themselves. Why isn't that enough, in your opinion, to explain the collapse of the buildings? Uh, well, firstly, it was the fact of asymmetric uh, damage causing symmetric collapse. But not just that. Mm -hmm. The uh, Empire State Building, another building in New York, had previously been hit by a plane, a B-52 bomber, sometime in the uh, 60s, I believe. Arguably, yes. I, I know that it isn't the same size of a plane. It wasn't traveling at the same speed. It wasn't carrying as much fuel. I understand all of that. However, I... I do not think that an impact from a plane that causes asymmetric damage would necessarily cause significant damage to make the building collapse the way that it did in near free fall speeds. When the Empire State sustained minimal fire, fire damage and practically none of the floors had collapsed or given way structurally. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, still, that's still a large object colliding with the building high up on its, uh, on its structural point. I must say, I'm kind of surprised you bring up that as an example because you know most people. It seems like a overly simplistic example because the Empire State Building is such a different building 
uh, to the previous to the World Trade Center oh, towers. I, I, agree. I, I agree with all that. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. But just from a from like like you say, from a simplistic comparison, mm-hmm. it, it is just it is you know it is odd, especially when you look and you see okay, a, a building has been hit with a plane before it hasn't come down. Yeah, and then you see that oh, NIST didn't test for explosives despite a good reason for them to have tested for them in a terrorist attack. And then you also see that it is the first time that fires have brought down skyscrapers three times in one day. And they and this came up with a whole new type of fire-induced progressive collapse, a new nah, type of collapse. I think that's that's kind of a bit of a misleading thing, saying that they came up, came up with a new thing. It was well, okay, the first time enough, it was observed, they, I no, guess. Fair enough. You, not that they came up with one, that they said they had shown for the first time, and I, I think I'm almost directly quoting Sharon Sunder here. Mm-hmm. He said that they have shown successfully for, for the first time that fire can induce a progressive collapse. So it was, uh, it was the first time that they had seen that, that, that type of progressive collapse successfully happen in a building, and that the first time they were able to record and prove it through their science. So. Yeah. To me, it's just odd that they would find a new type of collapse rather than look at alternatives for for that kind of collapse of a building that is already known, which right. is a controlled demolition. Again, with uh, Building Seven, uh, you know there were very dramatic and unique circumstances there already. Like World Trade Center One uh, collapsed, you know, right next to uh, Building Seven, uh, and created significant damage and lots of fires in uh, in World Trade Center 7 and then they weren't able to fight the fire because you know they uh you know, I think first of all they had problems with water then they got water and then eventually it was dis- decided it was too dangerous for the firefighters to stay in the building so they just kind of let it burnt and of course they had lots of other things to do that day right. because it was uh you know this right. huge disaster area so it doesn't seem it's not like just an ordinary you know, building catching fire and then collapsing. It was extraordinary circumstances. So the fact that there was an extraordinary outcome to me doesn't seem, you know, that unexpected. You would expect weird things to happen. Like when you fly a, uh, a 767 into a 113-story building, uh, you, you you don't know what's going to happen because it's not, you know, despite the the, the Empire State Building, Thing, this really hasn't happened before. The World Trade Center was a unique construction, very, very different. So you've got something that's not happened before, and then something happens and you say, oh, that's never happened before. You, you'd expect things that haven't happened before to happen on that day because it was an extraordinary day. Oh, no, I, and I agree with that. It was an extraordinary day, extraordinary set of uh, circumstances. As you said, with the uh, with the water situation, actually, I'm aware that the... Uh, the water mains were burst underneath the uh, buildings, from uh, from what I understand. Can you uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that? Yeah, I think there was some damage uh, when World Trade Center One collapsed, uh, which uh, that was you know the second building to collapse, and obviously it was right next to uh, Building Seven. It was, there was one building separating them, but it was essentially you know yeah. it it, rip, it ripped like uh, gouges in the the south face of building 7 uh, but i think they did set up water later i'm not sure i think there's some there's some dispute about exactly the availability of water uh, on that day but you know at, at some point eventually they they abandoned the building and they weren't fighting the fires there's a, there's a video that was shot 
briefly before the collapse, like about 20, 30 minutes before the collapse, and you see the fires raging all the way around the building, and there's there's no no firefighters near it. So they definitely just basically let it go. And of course, the, you know, they, they said that they did that. You, there's interviews with firefighters who said that they thought the building was going to collapse, and so they uh, they moved out. And then there's the the famous quote from uh, what's his name, the owner of the bu- the building. I can't remember his name now. Uh, oh, Larry. Larry. Yeah, yeah. He he said that you know the firemen said that it was too dangerous, and so they were going to pull it. And people you know, say that pull it meant demolish it, but really it just meant he's going to pull the firefighters out, pull the operation, yeah. you know, cancel yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I've, I've seen that, and honestly, that that to me isn't convincing evidence in support of my argument, uh, because that's just semantics essentially, and mm-hmm. uh, you can you can speculate on what they meant with that term. However, it's not hard evidence; it's not hard scientific evidence, and I'd rather not focus on speculation like that with what people said in certain situations. And, and I understand that. I understand that yeah. the uh, I understand that the firefighters had to pull it was a uh, like they they were concerned that the conditions in the building were not safe for them to enter. I'm aware of that. However, I'm just for me one of the uh, problems with one of the problems with fires in uh, World Trade Center Seven is that it's not evident to me that the fires were really as as raging as they claim to be by NIST and by people who say that the uh, buildings came down by fire because I've I've watched videos of the fires and they do not look as intense as as fires of say buildings that you know basic video if you look up like right. uh, World Trade Center 7 versus other skyscraper fire buildings and uh, you'll see that there's been much worse building fires and those structures are still like if if not completely standing at least mainly standing in terms of the structure not completely reduced to, to the rubble in their own footprint yeah uh and and back to what you said about extraordinary circumstances and an extraordinary day. I mean, that that is a bit of a loose generalization, in my opinion, because extraordinary uh, events that occur out of extraordinary circumstances could be a range of things. And I've, to me, it's just extremely... It, it's much too extraordinary, borderline miraculous for the three buildings that day to have all collapsed in a similar fashion out of asymmetrical damage. And so all of them collapsed in a similar manner due to, despite the fact that the damage to these buildings was different in each case. How are you saying that, how are you saying that they're similar though? Like the World Trade Center tower collapses was nothing at all like the, the building seven collapse. World Trade Center Towers, like I have a model of the World Trade Center here, they started collapsing from the top, and it, it, this this like this chunk of the top of the building kind of crushed uh, the bottom of the building. Well, not crushed exactly, but it caused to yeah. disintegrate. Well, and and, that, and that's, this this building, and, well, that just an, went that's straight down. Issue, and that's an issue with 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 Newton's laws of motion. Actually, uh, the fact that the top of the building can crush the bottom and essentially disintegrate it because as we know from Newton's third law of motion, every force creates an opposite and equal reaction. If the top parts of the building are falling, they they will equally, so as each floor crushes a floor that it comes into contact with, they will both equally destroy each other with the same amount of, of, of energy. So, say, say at the top you have those 15 floors, 
they will, and given for gravity and the additional kinetic energy, gravitational potential energy that they receive from falling, they'll probably take out a bit more than 15 floors. I can't be exact here because I don't have the right numbers and all that with me. But I'm just going to estimate and say it'll take out 15 plus. So only be able to take out 15 plus the amount of energy that is stored within those top 15 floors and only take out 15 plus below it before the, before the machine comes to a halt. Because that's just the laws of conservation of momentum. Well, yeah, it would be if it was as simple as that. But uh, have you ever heard like the explanation that I give like for how the buildings collapse, how the World Trade Center towers collapse? Uh, you'd, you'd have to refresh me. So, you familiar with the way you know the World Trade Center towers? Say, let's just go with WC two for example. Uh, they're are a tube in a tube design. You familiar with that uh, description? And that they have a so core. The, the tube and the tube. So, so you have the uh, the vertical tube attached to a, an, an outside vertical tube. Yeah, it refers to like the outside of the building is say one tube, and then the core okay. of the building, where all the elevators and the steps are, and the the I don't know the mechanical uh, rooms are, that is another tube. It's like uh, it's more like almost like a, a central core, and then the building is around that central core. So uh, that's the structure of the building is actually very, very different to conventional buildings like the Empire State Building, for example, which is a much older building, because it has these very, very long floors, very open, lots of open space, because there's no columns anywhere between the uh, core of the building and the outside. So you've got these, these wide open, uh, wide open floors. Uh, which is you know, a very distinctive feature of the building when it was built. Everyone remarked upon it, how kind of unique it was. And you know, other buildings have done similar things since. But this is a, you know, understanding this layout is vital to understanding why it collapsed the way it did and why it isn't actually violating Newton's laws of motion. Um, now, the floors are made up of these uh, basically trusses, uh, metal trusses with uh, corrugated metal on top of them, and then I think a layer of like three to six inches of concrete, uh, lightweight concrete on top of that. And so that's, that goes from the uh, core of the building to the outside of the building. Now, the outside of the building is only attached to the core via these trusses, via these floor panels, uh, and some beams at the corners, which are just basically on the edges of these trusses. So if something fell from above and stripped away the floors, from between the core and the outside wall, then the outside wall is no longer supported. It's no longer held in. It, it goes from being a column that is supported at you know, every uh, 13 feet or whatever to being a slender column which isn't supported at all. And it just becomes this, this floppy skin. And even if there was nothing else going on, it wouldn't be able to stand by itself because uh, it's not supported from the inside. So it would just, it would collapse. But it's also got this this huge amount of mass falling down on it. Now you talk about uh, the top of the building kind of being balanced by the damage it does to the, the bottom of the building. Well, you got to think of it in terms of two things. There's the columns and then there's the floors, which are the floor panels. So the weight of the building is held by the columns, uh, specifically the core columns, but also the, the perimeter columns as well. That, there's, that's what's holding the building up. The floors themselves, the floor panels, are just kind of uh, attached to the core and the outside wall. So they, the floor 
uh, that you walk around when you're inside the building. That's not holding up the building. That's just something that's being held up by the columns and is also bracing the, you know, connecting the columns one to another. So if something were to fall and strip away that floor, it wouldn't have to damage the columns at all. It would just go through that floor and that would fall down and it would strip away the next floor and it would strip away the next floor. And once it stripped away enough floors, you would see the remaining columns uh, wouldn't have any lateral support. So a combination of that lack of lateral support and all this you know, debris falling and everything going on would cause it to collapse. And this is something you can actually see in the collapse pictures is that uh, in after the buildings, after the collapse wave has reached the ground, about half of the core is actually still standing for a few seconds because the, the floors have been stripped away. And you can kind of see the way it peels away from the outside, the outside perimeter. It's not that it's destroying the core. It's not like crushing these, these core columns. It's the huge mass of the building on top, which is stripping the floors away from the core and stripping them away from the outside walls. And that's what actually causes the collapse. I don't know if that and it made sense to you because it was about kind of rambling on a bit, but that's uh, that's how, how I explain why it doesn't break the laws of physics. Okay, uh, I, I understand that. Now, thank you for refreshing me because uh, I actually had seen this this explanation, and it's it's good to to know exactly what it is I'm up against. Uh, but basically, uh, so it even then, as you say, these floors are falling. The the building still fell within near free-fall acceleration, which, as even Shyam Sunder stated, uh, for free-fall to occur, you would have to, that would mean there was no objects below the falling object. That means there's no resistance underneath it. And the building did fall through the path of... Uh, it did not fall through the path of least resistance. It fell into itself, into its own, into its own mass. And mm-hmm. as each floor coupled onto the next floor, there was no observable deceleration as you would observe when two objects collide and impact. It was almost as if each successive floor was already uh, weakened or taken out, or however you want to put it, before the uh, previous floor had made contact with it. Uh-huh. They all just fell synchronously. Well, you would think- still notice some, some more deceleration, which and that is also part of Newton's second law, which is force equals mass times acceleration. Which is where, when you when you have the mass accelerating, and, uh, and uh, the, these opposing forces will now now enact Newton's third law, which is that they destroy each other because of the mass and acceleration. So, yeah, that's so interesting. Not, not, not only would not only would the floors destroy each other upon contact, you would also notice a visible deceleration, which would not which which would not translate into a near free fall collapse of a building. Because that near free fall collapse, at least from what I've seen, has only been de- demonstrably done through co- controlled demolition, which is why it is a good hy- hypothesis. I'm not saying that it's for sure. I'm just saying it's a hypothesis they should have not ruled out so easily. Well, you know that uh, if you're saying it's similar to controlled demolition, surely an argument would also be that it looks nothing at all like a controlled demolition. Like controlled demolitions, they blow away the columns at the bottom of the building and they use the weight of the building to destroy itself. Uh, they don't plant and, explosives on every floor. And looks just like that. It does, yeah. But then, <laughs> then you, are you arguing that WTT7 is a controlled demolition, but the other ones are not? 
Yeah, and you, and you have different types of controlled demolitions. I mean, you have gravity-driven controlled demolitions where they split the building from half to see what it looks like when you have half the building falling onto the other half to demonstrate Newton's mm -hmm. third laws of motion, how you have equal masses canceling out each other and destroying each other equally. So you have different types of gravity uh, of uh, controlled demolitions. I'm not saying that uh, they could have. I mean, if they, if they were, they, how do you know they couldn't have been different types of controlled demolitions? Perhaps yeah. different types of use. So that's why I'm saying like different hypotheses. That that hypothesis shouldn't have been so easily excluded when there are still ad hoc alternatives. You could come up to just the one controlled demolition scenario. I think you know, to be honest, it, they didn't do it because it seemed like such a ridiculous idea because it was it was fairly obvious that the planes had flown into the buildings and there was a big fire and that once the collapse had started there was no way of stopping it and i think I mean, that's part of the problem is they didn't actually model the the full collapse progression because they didn't think it was necessary because obviously it was going to fall so you don't get the detail of why it was so fast you know what i was just talking about there with things falling through the floors rather than falling through the columns is the reason why it fell at, I think, you know, like about, uh, uh, what is it, 80% of gravity or something like that. Something something fairly close to free fall, but not actually free fall. Yeah, uh, yeah I agree. It, was, it wasn't exactly free fall. There was some resistance, but it was negligible enough to be within a good parameter of free fall that is not consistent with, with the natural collapse of buildings due to fire or any other kind of weak, uh, natural structural weakening. I think that you know when people say that it's you know not consistent with it, they're kind of thinking about this this oversimplification of it. That it's just you know there's the top part, there's a the bottom part, and the top part crushes the bottom part equally. But that's not what's happening. It's almost it's almost like the building is, and this kind of sounds silly, like a, a giant zipper, and you're pulling down the zipper. It takes a little bit of force to pull the zipper down, and then the building falls apart because you've got the outside of the building connected to the inside of the building via these floors. And the floors themselves are really weak, structurally. They're not designed to carry a structural load. They're designed to carry people in an office. So they carry their own weight, and then they carry the, the live load, which is the people moving around, and if any equipment's on it. And they basically, they have a, excuse me, they have uh, like a safety margin, I think, of six times their own weight uh, being just laid on top of it. So if you have something that can only just support six times its own weight uh, on top of it, but then you drop something from 12 feet above it, then it doesn't seem at all surprising that that floor would give way. The columns don't give way. The floor just gets stripped away from the columns, and now you've got two floors falling down, and they strip away other floors. And they're not going to be floors. They're not going to be like you know, these neat slabs falling down, it's going to break up. It's going to be this huge amount of debris. It's going to be like dumping a bag of rocks. Let's say somebody took, uh, I don't know, it's like, yeah, if somebody dropped an avalanche on your house, you wouldn't be surprised if your house got uh, destroyed, even though it's only a bunch of snowflakes. It doesn't have to be a solid object hitting something uh, to actually do a lot of damage. So you know, if you think... Yeah. Drop, yeah. Dropping a huge bag of rocks on top of the World Trade Center would do this thing. It would strip away these floors. The floors would be stripped from the, the walls, and then the walls would collapse. I mean, that is a fairly simplistic, uh, simplistic explanation of itself. And just one thing that I have to point out is that you do keep avoiding the uh, the fact that NIST hasn't tested or refused to test for explosives. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, the, the most you've 
respond to that is literally just to say that it's a ridiculous hypothesis. And I said they would is, think it's ridiculous because they understand why the building is yeah, collapsed. But that, that's and that, that's not really fair. And see, and with NIST, like I'm surprised I haven't bought this up. With with NIST, I, I, one of the things that just sticks out to me is that NIST is a government agency. Uh, why were they tasked to investigate the collapse of the buildings when there was? So they they had released this report. Uh, can you remind me when exactly they released their report and when they were commissioned to investigate? Uh, the collapse uh, I think of, it was two thousand and eight. Was it? They started two thousand six and they finished two thousand eight. I'm just going off the top of my head here. Let me just I'll check real quick. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I also think it was around that time. I was going to suggest 2007 myself, but it was around that ball time, ballpark. So let's just, if you want yeah. to look it up to be sure, you, no, but no, I'm, I'm satisfied with just keeping it around that. Yeah, uh, 2008. Case, uh, yeah, because it, it doesn't take away from the main point that I'm making is that yeah. by, by that time, there was already enough kind of uh, doubt within the American public mm-hmm. by around 2005, 2006, that perhaps the, all the questions weren't being answered by 9-11 because... World Trade Center 7 hadn't been mentioned in the commission report because the commission report was, as we know, by the uh, the, chair, the chairs of the commission themselves who went on to write a book about it, that it was set up to fail, underfunded, uh, conflict of interest, all of that. Uh, that was a NIST, though. Yeah. That was the 9-11 commission report. The 9-11 commission, yes. But, so so then so you had the 9-11 commission not mentioning WTC 7, so NIST was a response to the outcry of of uh, WTC seven not being looked into, mm-hmm. and so at a time when the government was already kind of held in question by the public, uh, it's it's surprising that the government would kind of hire themselves to investigate themselves. It's like if someone is a suspect in a crime, you don't get right. the same department to investigate themselves, which is just that to me is a conflict of interest. I don't. I don't think they were. Th- thinking of it in terms of investigating themselves. They were just thinking of figuring out why the building collapsed. See, I th- uh, yeah. It is a government agency who is funded directly by the government. And right. you know this, Mick. Like, if, if a study, like, say a study... Oh, I understand or, what you're saying. And, and you know this with the, with the tobacco industry against yeah. marijuana and alcohol, how they funded studies against their competitors. So it's just the same way with this. If they're being funded by the government, what inclination do they have to pursue hypotheses that might implicate the government. Yeah, that's true. But uh, NIST did in- investigate the possibility of uh, an explosion. There's a there's, there's a section in the building where they try to figure out like uh, could the building have been brought down by explosives, and they you know, I think they even did a simulation did, did with this, it. NIST said in a in a press conference that they did not test for explosives. They didn't they didn't they did test, test for, for explosive. Yeah, they didn't test for explosive because residue, but they did. They did test basically the uh, the sound uh, levels that would have been created by the explosives. And since the, there was no audible explosions, then they uh, there they were audible explosions. Uh, could you explain to me what their methodology for going about assessing the sound of explosives on nine eleven was? Because I'm not entirely familiar with that. Yeah, they they basically uh, they. They said that if there were explosives, then it would have to have brought down this column because they, they knew the, the order at which the building collapsed. So they said column 79 uh, would have had explosives at the bottom. And and so they said, like, what would it take to cut column 29 in a way that it would fail uh, like suddenly like the way it did? 
and they came up with a certain amount of cutter charges, and then they figured out what the uh, the decibel level would be, uh, like half a mile away from the building where there were lots of people. Yeah. And uh, so was this, it just one, one specific type of explosive that they used? Yeah, they, they end, did. No. no, obviously, like the 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 excuse around that is that yeah they use quieter explosives or something like that. But uh, yeah, they. Yeah, to be honest, I think they they were just giving it. Uh, yeah, I, I think they did more than I would have expected them to do by even giving people the uh, the benefits of looking into explosives. Because I think you know, with World Trade Center Seven, it does look like a, a controlled demolition in terms of the visuals of the building coming down. It really doesn't sound like one though, so it seems very very different to your conventional uh, controlled demolition. Yeah, well, about going back to your point about that you think that they did more than they needed to, I think that is an unfair statement to say, considering that we we did just say that they did not test for explosive residue, that they claimed that there was no reason to test for explosives because they had no evidence that explosives were used uh, ba- based on, on what, a preconceived notion that they would not find any? Well, because... no, I think it's based on the fact that World Trade Center 1, a like, uh, very, very tall skyscraper, basically fell against the south side of the building and set it on fire. So now you're positing that there's also explosives when you've got this perfectly reasonable explanation for why it fell in the first place. You don't. When they investigated it, they didn't know exactly the sequence of events, and they still probably don't know exactly what the sequence of events was. But they knew why it yes. fell. They knew that a building fell on top of it and that it was badly damaged and then it caught fire and then five hours later it collapsed. You know, they didn't know the exact details and that's what the investigation was for. So I think from their perspective... But, but Mick, testing one kind of specific explosive on a specific column in a specific controlled manner that would obviously give the result that would show that it wasn't explosives is... That's not a, that's not a good test. That, that they barely tested it at all. How could you yeah. say that? Well, that's, it, it eliminates that one, one type of uh, demolition, like conventional uh, controlled it demolition. It's one of, of several, which yeah. is not a accurate or scientific th- test at all. In fact, it's quite an unscientific method to te- when you test for hypotheses to... Wait, if I were to go in the ocean and mm-hmm. take a cup, take a scoop of water, look at it and say, huh, there must be no whales in the ocean because I've looked at that cup of water in my hand. That's not that's not scientific testing. Doesn't really seem like the same type of thing that like you're testing. Uh, <laughs> you're not. It's it's it sort of is. If you're only testing for one type of explosive in a specific kind of environment, you you tested it for what, what the column seventy nine yeah. is that one in uh, World Trade Center seven or the World Trade Center one or two. I don't think that they uh, were saying that there's zero possibility that explosives were used. I think they were saying... Yeah, that's like, what if they ex- said. Clearly, that's clearly what Shyam Sunder said. He said clearly that there's no possibility for evidence of explosives having been used and there's no need to test for them. Well, I think he's saying that there's a lack of evidence for it. He doesn't say that there you know, oh, that, wasn't. And that's, that's the problem. It's, it's not that there's a lack of evidence. It's willful ignorance of the evidence that you should test for right. explosives. But you, you, you personally, would you say, are you already convinced that there were explosions in World Trade Center 7 even without uh, tests for residue? No. No, I, I, I just think that it's ridiculous to 
to say that there isn't when you haven't even tested for them. I think that there's a possibility of it. For sure, I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced, but I just think that it's, it's not scientific and it's not objective to be able to say it definitely wasn't that when you haven't even tested for it. Or hey, if you did a shoddy test. Let's try something. Like a while ago, you said like you didn't think the fires were very intense. Uh, I've got a, a YouTube video that I don't know if you've seen, but I wonder if you could just look at it now, and we'll just pause the recording, or like we'll just do the, uh, I'll edit it out, and I could send this to you. Let's see, I'm just going to send you the link in Skype. It's only it's like two minutes long. You could we could just look at it and see. Just watch it real quick and see if it changes your opinion on how intense the fires were at all. Okay. Sure. Or we could hit play at the same time, so we're both watching it. Oh, I'm, I'm currently at 10 seconds in. All right, I shall go to 12 seconds. Okay. Play. So, right. wait, I'm playing, okay. Okay, so I'm seeing uh, windows with uh, pretty roaring fire like shooting out yeah. of it. And no, I agree right. that uh, it's, it's a fire, undeniably, and I, I don't disagree that it was hot fire. <laughs> fire is always hot. <laughs> and uh, I don't disagree that, they, that if you were caught in those fires, you would have most likely died or suffered from asphyxiation. I do not deny all that. My only qualm is, and uh, so, since you've showed me this video, and, uh, do, you, uh, do you want me to watch the full length of it? Yeah, let's go, through, let's go through it all, and we can talk about what we see. Now we're seeing, like, right, yeah. swirling smoke on the... Uh, what right, so right be. now I'm seeing smoke. Well, uh, yeah, halfway around the building. And the west most side. of the building looks fine. I see only I see fire in one window near the bottom panel there, and I yeah. was just zoomed down, and I can see more win uh, windows on fire. Yeah, there. that's like one floor. It, it, it seems to be a very minimal portion of the building. Well, it's four floors by the looks of it. In terms of, uh, yeah, this is this is actually quite late in the process. Uh, what we're seeing now is a wider shot. You can see there's four floors worth of windows uh, destroyed, but the only two floors are currently on fire. Now it's zooming in, and you can see like the ceiling is kind of sagging down. That's probably just the, you know, the false ceiling, the well, panels and stuff. And, but, and actually, yeah, just just yeah, and just just share one one minute fifteen actually is around. I believe uh, I could be wrong about this, but I believe right there, one minute fifteen seconds is one of is at the time. Or, just before the onset of collapse, I believe, perhaps within 10 to 15 minutes, maybe. I, I could be wrong, but apparently this was one of the pieces of evidence that NIST used as, as a still to point out that fires were burning on certain floors where they weren't. They had marked that fires were burning on floors 7 through 9, when clearly only two of said floors are actually burning. Yeah. There you can see visibly the window smashed out. At that point, yeah, something fell down. Uh, uh, you know, I'm looking at the fires. They seem very wind-driven and very, very strong to me. Like this, you know, it's zoomed in right now. I don't know if you're just watching the same bit. I'm at like 2:25. Uh, there's, you know, very, very strong. Right, now we're nearly at the end now. But you know, the, obviously, it's a big building. So even though the fires are only on a few floors. That's still, you know, quite a bit of fire. Uh, right. In terms uh, of the damage yeah. it can do. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Like, it, it's definitely like that's that's a bad fire by all means. Although, if you care to look at the link I just sent to you, if, and if you see the fires that were raging on those buildings, you would 
see a considerably no- notable difference. Yeah, well, I see the first interesting. The first one that's uh, done is the Windsor Tower in Madrid. Uh, are you familiar with that one? It's the first the first thing that they show in the video you just sent to me. And that's actually one of my favorite examples for a building that uh, nearly collapsed due to fire. It's uh, the, the is the top half of the building uh, collapsed around the core, and it was stopped, I think, by a mechanical floor uh, that was like halfway down the building. But it did actually uh, uh, well, you can see it all falling down there. That's quite dramatic. So you're not watching the same thing, but uh, my main point is how. Uh, how intense the fires are, are yeah. it's significantly more intense on well, the uh, it's, Madrid building. It's at night, which I think makes it kind of misleadingly more intense. Yeah, I agree. The, the night can enhance the contrast, but you can't deny the size of the flames themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's yeah, true. But you only and need the, one floor the, to and fail. The coverage though. of the building that it's burning as well, and 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 the the area. Surface area of the building that's being burnt as well. Uh-huh. It looks like yeah. the building is much more encapsulated in fire in Madrid than World Trade Center Seven. Well, in World yeah. Trade Center Seven, honestly, I can only see at max like seven to seven to ten floors burning, whereas with Madrid, almost the entire building is burning. Yeah. Well, if you look at the south side, you see a lot of smoke, and you don't really know what's going on behind that smoke. But it seems to be smoke coming from every single floor on the south side. Uh, yeah, I think you know, we, this, these are arguments that people have been having for many, many years, and maybe we can like kind of discuss it in a little more, more of a meta sense. Uh, why do you think like no progress ever gets made? You know, if, if you're you're relatively young, or you're in your twenties, you're a student. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. I'm in my I'm in my mid twenties. Okay. Uh, so you would have been just a kid when 9-11 happened and yeah. you just, you just grew up with yeah. it and eventually you, you know, you learned more yeah. about it and became suspicious and got interested in, in the topic. But you know, it's, it's nearly 20 years now, 18 years and yeah. nothing's really changed in the 9-11 truth movement, uh, in probably uh, the last 12 years or so since. That's arguable. I mean, architects and engineers from like from nine eleven truth has grown from like well a thousand members when it started to three thousand plus now. Uh, right now, Dr. Leroy Halsey is working on his uh, project on YWTC seven fell at the University of Fairbanks, Alaska, uh, or University of Alaska Fairbanks, however uh, the order of that is. Uh, you have the Lawyers Committee for nine eleven truth pushing forward their grant petition jury. Uh, their grand jury petition hearing or hearing for grand jury, however it's called. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of movements that are actually making a bit more of a, you could say progress, at least a push, maybe awareness. But I would agree with you generally in that, even though that that's the problem though. It, it isn't, I would agree with you that overall, despite those minor minor achievements, they haven't made much progress, although that's not really indicative of whether their their information is credible or true or not. There are tons of people who have plenty of credible ideas that are really worthwhile but mm-hmm. just never get heard. And that's just the case for something that well, with nine eleven specifically, well conspiracy theory is seen as a pejorative, seen as a taboo, seen as one of those topics that people don't like to discuss because it's either con- too controversial 
it offends people, brings up past traumas. Some people just don't like to talk about politics. So unfortunately, 9-11 happens to fall into that category of people just want to, don't want to talk about politics. Forget conspiracy theories. It's just politics people don't like a lot of the times. So there's, that's the one part of it. The other part is that, well, there's the media. That's a very powerful institution. When they hammer home how 9-11 happened, and media theory says that the first story is what six people the most. Uh, when 9-11 did break, it was the mainstream media who reported it exactly as the U.S. wanted them to. How was it that the mainstream media on the day of 9-11 was already telling everyone it was Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden without any sort of investigation? Well, I think they probably based it on the previous attacks uh, on the World Trade Center terrors and the threats that had been which made by Al-Qaeda. Which yeah. is just an assumption and speculation, which we could agree is widespread conspiracy theory fear-mongering. Well, I wouldn't say I'd call it that. I would say it's uh, they, made, they made an assumption that the most likely candidate for it would have been you know, some kind of jihadist terrorists because of the, the previous attack and... Uh, yeah, the threat to yeah, which, the World Trade Center. Which pushed the war to go into Iraq. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, obviously, like, you could, you can make the case, obviously, that it was uh, a convenient excuse to go to war, and therefore, you know, the, yeah, maybe someone did it because they wanted to go to war. But then you could also just make the case that they simply exploited the event. They were glad that it happened rather yeah. than they, they made it happen. Yeah. Uh, but like, just getting back I mean, to in, 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 either, in, in either case, it's it's in either case, it's uh, it's uh, indicative of some kind of you know, it is indicative of some kind of political mischievous mischievousness. Well, you know, the the exploiting the event after it happened doesn't necessarily mean that they caused the event. It, it just means that oh, no, you know, but, something I mean, happened. Taking taking advantage of something, even if you take advantage of something without mm-hmm. the uh, consent or complete information to the public, that is still a conspiracy. Um, Whether or not exploiting an event for political benefit and it's a secret... But they exploit... All all events get exploited. Every single event that gets... that happens, people try to exploit. Like, uh, if there's a mass shooting, the people who are anti-gun, you know, exploit... Uh, it for to promote their message, and the people who are pro gun will you know try to spin it a different way. So yeah. that's just what politicians and, do. And, 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 and ex- exactly. And uh, okay, so like let's say let's take the gun control example for uh, the gun control mm-hmm. example. Uh, say I am uh, what is the gun uh, the anti gun control the NRA. So the NRA in the U.S. Say I am on the board of executives at the NRA. A mass shooting has just happened. I collaborate with my team of PR agents and media publicists that are going to take advantage of the situation in order to get people to actually support gun rights more. Now, say that that somehow invertedly leads to people buying guns and another mass shooting happening. Now, hasn't the NRA technically committed a conspiracy because they did, in secret, decide to take advantage of the situation that turned out to have harmful outcomes to people. That is the definition of a conspiracy, when people get together and seek it to plan a harmful or illegal act. That's all it is. It's the precursor to almost every crime that we have. If if two people make a crime to steal and they planned it, you also get charged with conspiracy to steal. Murder, conspiracy to murder. Anytime it's two two or more people involved in a crime through an illegal or harmful act, it's already labeled as a conspiracy. So it's, it's a more common... It's a more common thing than people 
think it is, and it's become such a misnomer and used yeah. as a pejorative. So I'm, I'm not really sure what your point is here because thought. everyone knows that conspiracies happen all the time. Like you know, my book, uh, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, the first words in the introduction are conspiracies are very real, of course. And then I list a bunch of yeah. actual conspiracies, and everybody knows that people conspire. Oh, yeah, oh, and yeah, everybody knows yeah. that the, so, yeah, the so my, politicians my, are not yeah. honest. My, my point is basically that the uh, the assumption that that people make, where oh, it like I've personally like I watched your uh, your debate with uh, Tony Zambotti from eighty nine eleven, and uh, you made the one point where you said uh, he he said he was implying that NIST cheated on their data. Uh, when they when they didn't when they were ch- not not revealing the data for the collapse of WTC seven model, and uh, to which you said that you're implying conspiracy here when incompetence is the better is the uh, better explanation, and I, do, I don't see why that is. Why is incompetence automatically the better explanation without any justification? Uh, because incompetence is a lot easier for people to do. Uh, a conspiracy, especially a very complex conspiracy involving a lot of people, is a very, very difficult thing. But to just mess up or to be, uh, you know, just you know, doing something because you can't be bothered to do it or some, some, for some other reason uh, is is a lot simpler. It's just, all they did was they did nothing. They didn't release the data. And then when they were asked to release the data, they said, like, we don't want to release the data because it's, you know, people might use it to destroy other buildings. Uh, uh, maybe they could yeah. have released it. Who but, knows? I mean, yeah. But uh, having a conspiracy for, the, for that logical fallacy, where you uh, where you just would prefer to lay to go with the easier solution that makes more sense to you subjectively. No, it's, it's Occam's razor. Actually, both. Uh, what, bo- both. But both alternatives, okay, especially when it comes to a political act like this, when, like you said, conspiracies are known to happen, and they do happen within politi- within the political atmosphere, the economic atmosphere, uh, we, we do know they happen. So why should we just automatically right. dismiss when cons- the possibility of conspiracy well, and say that it has to be incompetence? I wouldn't dismiss it. I would, I would just rank it appropriately. I would say the, mo- the more likely explanation is, is incompetence. Now, you know, I mentioned Occam's razor, which is like a logical tool, and people often think that Occam's razor means the simplest explanation is the best. But it's, not, it's slightly more complicated than that. Occam's razor says you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't have to add things to an explanation. Do not multiply the entities required uh, more than is necessary. So you, you do... If you if you find that you have to add something to an explanation, then the explanation that doesn't require things adding to it is usually the one that's more likely to be correct. It doesn't. It's not always the case, but like with with releasing the data, NIST didn't release the data behind the global models for the collapse of World Trade Center Seven. Now, on one hand, you know the suggestion is just that. Um, uh, I'm not saying competence is a good thing there, but they just they just didn't want to release it because they thought that it was uh, dangerous. On the other hand, you're saying that they didn't release it because there's, this, there's a huge conspiracy and that the buildings were actually uh, destroyed by controlled demolition. So you're having to uh, add this, well, this incredibly I mean, that's, huge that's a bit assumption. Of, uh, exaggeration of my position. Uh, not that it's uh, not that it's not that just that one point is indicative of a huge conspiracy. It's just, to me, it's suspicious, yes, that they would decide to hide that data and claim it as matters of national security, which, 
is actually not as far as reasons for keeping stuff classified goes is not a bad reason i understand the reasoning for it that perhaps future terrorists may get a hold of that and use it as a way to expose weaknesses in other buildings uh but it my, my counter to that argument is why don't they release it so engineers know how to build their, build their buildings differently to safeguard against attacks like that well that's that's kind because of like if, a... they, if, if they're able to re- reveal the weaknesses mm-hmm. in the building with that with the data couldn't they just alter how they design buildings so that they, they don't could. fall the way they did they could but i think the problem there is like it's similar with uh computer programming uh if there's a thing called a zero day exploit where if someone finds a bug in some software and then they release the information about the bug uh hackers will get that information and on the first day the zeroth day they will be able to create an exploit and hack into everybody's systems because it takes a long time uh to, for people to patch all their systems when they're, they're all different you know it's a lot quicker than creating new buildings or retrofitting buildings but you can't just say oh yeah we've discovered that if you just plant one explosive at a certain column then it will destroy pretty much like any building of this type and just tell everybody that and then say well you all got to go and go and fix this there now you wouldn't do that publicly if there was such a, an issue, then uh, you would want to do it very privately and uh, get it get it taken care of. I personally don't think that they really had a very good case for keeping the data private. I think it was just basically they uh, they just chose the default option from their perspective. Someone said, "Well, maybe there is some kind of problem with uh, with this. Maybe there's some national security issue, so we shouldn't release it." And yeah. once once that thing became set, then they just didn't. There, there was n- no way it was going to change. Because uh, there's no incentive yeah, for anybody you know to fair, do fair the enough. work. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. That that could have been a case of just bureaucracy and incompetence over there. And I'll agree with you that that could have been the way. And uh, which and that's the thing, though, with a lot of these things, when it comes to regarding uh, incompetency versus conspiracy. I mean, either way, we talk about it is just speculation from mm-hmm. your stance or my stance. So we, it, we just have to look at the facts and what the yeah. No, I I agree with that. Looking at the facts, but. Going back to what I was saying earlier, people have been looking at the facts for 18 years. Now, you made a point earlier, you thought yeah. that you, the collapse of the building breaks the laws of physics. Uh, if, if the official explanation is correct, you think it breaks the laws of physics because of the Newton's laws of motion uh, and path of least resistance and things like that. And these seem fairly straightforward to you. You've got like you know a school education in, in physics. But if it's been 18 years and we've all been looking at the same videos and things of the the collapses of the buildings, why hasn't that become accepted truth? I mean, there's, there's literally millions, tens of millions of people who have your level of understanding of physics or better. You know, there's probably right now like you know, 100,000 students around the world who are studying physics and who know physics better than you and I do. And they should be able to yeah. figure this out. Hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people in the professional sphere, tens of millions of people, yeah. not just in yeah, this I, country, yeah. in other countries yeah, I, too. I, I, and I, I answered that. Like, like, I, like I said, it's just mainly most people just don't have the interest to look in the subject or they, they really? don't have the second thought to, to think to look into it. And that's, it, that's just it. it. I, I don't think there's some giant... Like there is at some point, like when it comes to propaganda and PR and psyops, like there is some kind of an effort. Uh, not, and I'm not just talking about 9/11. I'm talking about any any kind of uh, world event. Uh, we know that from Noam Chomsky's propaganda model 
how the news works, the five uh, propaganda filters through flak advertisers and all that, about how the media, at least corporate media, is on through their shareholders, their advertisers, so you think the whole world, the companies like say, the whole world has been brainwashed. Like all the people in China have been brainwashed. All the people are in, uh, you know, Japan, Korea, yeah, yeah. Africa, South America. Oh, that's that's actually a good point because Japan. Well, there was a congressman a few years ago who brought it up in uh, Japanese parliament that they need to look into it. Same thing happened in Amsterdam. People have over the world looked into it. It's just that sometimes this news isn't. Top page, front page stuff, top of the YouTube uh, mm -hmm. suggested feed, if you get what I mean. But some of these at, things just aren't just aren't that accessible. To but you're a specific not, example, though, of the, the the laws of physics type thing. You know, you're sticking by that as as being actual evidence, and yet, yeah, you, like I said, there's tens of millions of people, and you think they've all just somehow been brainwashed into not caring about it. And so they don't see. No, I mean, no, no, no. if I if I like, could figure like I said, that out, if I could figure that out, that would be the most amazing thing ever, Vic, and I would tell everybody about it. Vic, that's a that's a straw man argument. I'm not saying that tens of million pe tens of millions of people have been brainwashed to believe that the wrong laws of physics have taken place. I'm saying tens of tens of millions of people haven't even had thought of whether it has or not. They haven't decided whether it, whether it follows the laws of physics or not. They just haven't looked into it. And it's as simple as that. It's just like I said. It's it's it's. It's it's ignorance, but it's not willful ignorance. Mm. It's just okay. I like for example, do you know how to cure uh, how to cure a cobra bite venom poison? Did you ever look it up? Uh, no. Exactly. So why you, there's tens of millions of people in the world who could potentially get bitten by cobras, yet they don't know how to cure it. Yeah, it's just that's a very Some different type of thing. I haven't looked into it because they have the interest. Well, well, yes, it, it is a different thing, but like on the, on the topic of, of subjects, not everyone is interested in the same in the same topics, and that's okay to me that everyone in the world isn't concerned with 9-11. It's, it's not about how many people are are onto a topic. Make <laughs> it's it's about the actual content of the. It isn't about a popularity contest. It's about oh, so many people don't know this is happening. That must mean it, it isn't true. That isn't true, was it? When back when uh, whatever. Uh, uh, physicist it was that suggested that light actually bounces into our eyes. He was considered crazy for so long for suggesting that light actually bounced into our eyes from other objects when everyone was thinking that, oh, light just shot out from our eyes. And that for despite the fact that there's so many people who could potentially learn the physics that he learned in order to figure it out, they didn't. Because either they didn't have the information, they didn't have the not, they didn't have the uh, access to the information, or they just weren't interested to find it out because they never thought to. And that isn't indicative of brainwashing or anything. That's just basic human ignorance, and that's not their fault. But you, the, you, like, the stuff you are thoughts. talking about, the stuff you're talking about, isn't really like you know a paradigm shift to use a, a phrase. Like it's not. You're, you're you're saying it's very basic physics that we're talking about here. Like it's simply Newton's laws of yes, motion yes. that prove that uh, the building could not have collapsed the way it did uh, without explosives. And surely yeah, if someone could actually... Like does that prove that it was controlled demolition? Uh, no, it doesn't prove that it was controlled demolition outright. It just, all it does is it, it says that the, the official in this report has inconsistencies and contradictions in it that merits a reopening of an investigation. That from, so, from a neutral, private, 
third party that isn't funded by the government to have a potential conflict of interest. So do you think that there's a way the buildings could have collapsed without explosives that you're just not aware of? I mean, it's possible, but do you think it's it's also possible the buildings could have come up, come down due to controlled demolitions despite NIST having not tested for them? So you don't you don't think you have proof of controlled demolition? You just think whether there's uh, indications or questions? Like like I said, I think it's firstly like NIST hadn't tested for explosives, mm-hmm. which they need to, and uh, there is someone else evidence would suggest that that controlled demolition should have been tested for. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that there's definitive proof that it was controlled demolition. I'm not an investigator. I'm not going to speculate as to what actually happened. Or I'm just asking questions, and these are my doubts. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, another investigation needs to be done. I can't say exactly what happened. I, I'm not omniscient. I don't know all the answers. Do you think another investigation will be done? Uh, I honestly, I'm I'm doubtful of that. I think unless there is a concerted effort worldwide uh, to actually get another investigation, and I don't think there will be, you know. And uh, I, I I do agree that, uh, like I said, the uh, the 9/11 Truth Movement hasn't made many great strides, and that's partially due, just due to the taboo of the topic mainly. Uh, and that's not some of it is. Some of it's intentional, some of it is just human nature, some of it is just ignorance, and like I said, that isn't their fault. Uh, and that, yeah, there's just a lot a lot of stories that just don't get big despite actually being of value to certain people. Mm. That just happens, that's how the media is. Some people have different interests and can't always satisfy everyone. I mean, and 18 years isn't even that long. I mean, look at proven conspiracies in history that have been declassified such as Operation Northwoods or the Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment or Operation Mockingbird or Operation Paperclip. Like, some of those took 40 years to come out. People had been speculating that Nazis had come into the country under Operation Paperclip for a while. They were considered loony, and everyone's like, oh, how come there's no proof for that? Turns out, well, like, later, 40, 50 years after, they do do finally declassify the documents, and uh, then that gets revealed as truth. So... 18 years in that kind of field, especially when it comes to declassification of official conspiracies, 18 years isn't that long of a time at all. Mm-hmm. But here, like, it's kind of a different situation because we have all the evidence more or less out in, in plain sight, like, especially with the physics of things. Like you would say, like, you can look at the buildings themselves. You have all these architects and engineers, and they have these, these mission statements, well, position statements, where they say why they believe. And they say, oh, it was obvious to me from day one that the buildings could not have collapsed. And uh, so it's not really the same type of thing as like people suspecting that uh, German scientists were brought over after the, the war, which obviously would have been a, a secret operation. Uh, and some of the other stuff you mentioned, yeah, there was conspiracies. Well, obviously, there are conspiracies and they got revealed later, but they weren't really conspiracy theories in the same way that people were speculating that, uh, you know, Operation Northwoods was a thing. Uh, you know, until it actually came out, I think, in uh, a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request at some point. So, yeah, I think, you know, what well, I'm... Operation, Mocking, Operation Mockingbird is actually a good example of something that was speculated for a long time. Operation Mockingbird was the infiltration of the CIA into various media organizations during mm-hmm. the 19... Uh, either, either it started in the 1920s or 1940s. 
can't remember which which one of those years, but one of them. And that went on for a long time, on, uh, up until it was revealed in the church committee uh, congressional hearings, where Alan Dulles, the head of the CIA at the time, had to reveal things about, yeah, they did have, turned out that they had what uh, agents in about 40 of the biggest newspapers in America, and including their affiliates such as radio stations, something like 2,000 radio stations, and all of that, and that that went on for like thirty to forty years with the whole McCarthyism red scare. Yeah, so we came do out. know that that propaganda is a big thing. Yeah, you know that that was something that actually got propaganda. revealed though, and, and was you know declared to be illegal. And like they say, they don't do it anymore. Like yeah. the, after about thirty years of doing it, then there was the Tuskegee syphilis experiment uh -huh. where all these African Americans were getting sick with syphilis. Obviously, it was going to be uh, some speculation that, oh, the government's making us sick. Obviously, people are going to make that conspiracy theory up, right? Because that's how conspiracy theories go. People think of all things. So there must have been someone in the Tuskegee syphilis experiment who was to speculate that, oh, they're making us sick. Yeah. It would have just been speculating. <laughs> no, I, mean, I see, I see what you're, right. you're saying is that you, you see no reason to trust the government or people in power because they have done things in the past that are, were, were bad. You know, no, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying that's good reason to be wary of them. I'm not saying not to trust them. I actually trust the government with a lot of things. Uh, funnily enough, a friend of mine uh, is very anti-government, kind of anarchist. I'm yeah. like, we kind of need the government. Like, I see it as a vital part of civil discourse and democracy. Like, government isn't always bad. I trust a lot of government officials. Yeah. I actually would like to vote. I just think that, that there are dishonest people. Oh, yeah. There are certain sectors that are dishonest. And just like just like anything, I don't think the whole thing is like one giant big conspiracy. Like that's that's the one thing that I don't appreciate is about a lot of the people who uh, claim to debunk or claim to be uh, skeptical is that they kind of strawman it and twist it as oh it's just this big giant conspiracy. When, no, conspiracies do happen. Small ones do happen, and sometimes they can be a little bit more tightly tightly knit than you could imagine. Especially like say if this was a military operation. You're going to have people with the highest class security clearances, people with the highest levels of confidentiality. Uh, it's really not that hard to imagine that it could be kept a secret when you have literal uh, uh, procedures or standard operating operating procedures mm -hmm. to keep secrets. Yeah. Now, this is obviously these are arguments that have been made before that you know it could be compartmentalized, but you know then you look at what would be involved in doing that. You, the people, the FBI basically put uh, at least half of their personnel into investigating 9-11. So there was somehow to have to prevent, uh, you know, the entire FBI machine over several years from discovering every, any evidence. They had uh, iron workers and firemen on site for uh, like a year, sifting through the evidence, looking for remains of people. So they'd have to make sure that, that no fireman ever found any evidence. And if he did find some evidence, he would be uh, have to be dealt with. It's not quite as... Um, easy as I think it's, you might think it is to cover up controlled demolition. Yeah, sure, you could say that they arranged for the plane supplier. But that's a, you just made a very bad hypothetical scenario there where mm -hmm. an FBI agent would have to silence a, a firefighter at ground zero for evidence that they found. Uh, firefighters were all over and it was like, as you say, it was a hectic extraordinary day. I I can't imagine that uh, that firefighters would be busy. Like their main priority that day would be saving. No, not lives. that. Not that day. No, o no. Over the next over the next year, firefighters were on site every day 
for the oh, next year. Oh, okay, okay, I see what you mean. I, okay, Sifting sorry, through bad. the records. Uh, that was, yeah, my, my mistake. My, my mistake, I, 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 I uh, misinterpreted you there. Uh, but so somehow yeah, they'd even, have to clean that, up we, the we site. We know that a lot of the evidence from, from Ground Zero, we do know a lot of the evidence from Ground Zero was shipped off to China almost immediately and destroyed. Uh, well, I think almost immediately is a bit of a, a misnomer because it, it wasn't, because the, the last uh, column uh, yes. in World Trade Center was standing like, a, I can't remember where it was, like at least six months later. And so you basically had hundreds of firemen, okay, hundreds of, of yeah. workers uh, sifting through the wreckage. Cause yeah, the, understand. yeah but, but even then, what do you expect firefighters to see with the naked eye that would be that incriminating? As, as I said, they did see molten metal. They did claim to hear explosions. So we do know that these people who have made testimonies are making testimonies. There's a lot of them. There but no one found anything. As, as potential so, so the case that you make that they would all be silent and whatnot, like, that's not the case because they're not being silenced. You have whistleblowers in all fields. By that logic, if everyone was to be silenced, we wouldn't have any whistleblowers. But nobody found anything in the debris that was indicative of a controlled demolition. No, no fireman came forward. No FBI agent, like sifting through the wreckage at Fresh Kills, came forward yep. and said, "Yeah, I found this well, detonator." What, what, would they, what would they find? Would, what would they be able to see with the naked eye? Well, you think that everything was just turned to dust. There was all the every single charge, every single explosive charge went off. It, obviously, it kind of didn't go off. If if NIST, uh, not NIST, if AE nine eleven is to believe, because they say there's this red dust throughout uh, all the the dust, which is indicative of unreactive thermite. So some significant yeah, portion that, of the thermite besides, did not go yeah, off. That, that's besides my point. And that, that, term, that thermite, apparently, like, I'm not, I don't want to get into that because that's a topic I'm not too sure about. So I only want to talk about things that I do know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so well, from, detonators. What, from what I understand, detonators, even you would with that, that would have to be tested under a microscope. My point is, what would they see at ground zero with the naked eye that would be indicative, that would that could look any different from a regular fire to signs of explosives? You I would see imagine to the naked eye when you're... That, cut there columns? There wouldn't be too much of a difference to the naked eye. You would see cut columns, columns that have been deliberately cut. And if you read the the there's a, there's a good book I can't remember what it's called right now, but it's uh, uh, a guy called Vicious I think, and he talks about how he looked at all the columns on nine eleven and he saw that they came apart at the welds, they snapped at the welds basically. They weren't cut by explosives. There was nothing to indicate that they're being cut by explosives. And you can see this in the photos yourself. You can look at the photos you know, from you know, the, the day even, but in the next few days you can see the ends of the columns. They just they just snapped apart. There wasn't any really need for explosives. So you would expect to see if explosives were used, they don't just push things around. They break things in a certain way. And you would be able to see that damage. And there was lots of iron workers there who would understand how iron works. You know, the people there who were like cutting up uh, the columns and pulling them out of the ground, loading them onto trucks. They would have to, you know, they, 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 I think, would see if there was any evidence. But, Anyway, uh, I don't know. Uh, I've read uh, testimony from mine workers who claim otherwise, but yeah, I guess that that's to, me. to you that would just be speculation and not credible, right? No, no, I'd, I'd be happy to see it. Uh, testimony from iron workers, uh, because what I've what I've seen is, you know, obviously on the day like there was loud bangs because there was a large building falling down, yeah, and I, I've, floors I've, collapsing. Yeah, I've, I've seen. Have you have you, there's there's videos of iron workers with 
steel columns from 911 bent in a perfect horseshoe shape with the cut columns that you described. Uh, and I've, by the way, I've, I have seen that people have tried to pass off some of the columns as being cut, but they're actually done after the welders have mm -hmm. cut them in order to clear the debris. So I do know that, and that's why I like to point out work on your site that does debunk things that are actually bunk. Yeah. So that's good. So things like that. Uh, so things like that do make sense. And all I'm saying is that there are there are some sources, like I said. So you're just saying that there are there are whistleblowers, there are firefighters who have who have claimed. Yes, there, there are some, and all I'm saying is that they probably just aren't heard about. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know about a? I was trying to think about. Yeah, you, but basically, the, you, do you know every whistleblower there is to know? Yeah, I know. Actually, I don't really follow the whistleblowers that much. Exactly. Yeah. So there. So yeah. Well, I would say that following whistleblowers is something you should consider doing in, in uh, your and The reason I don't, debunking. though, is that when I look into one of them, they don't generally seem to be that credible, and the, the, their explanations are confused, and they don't really fit the timeline. There was, there was like the, the guy who thought there was bombs in the basement. He was the caretaker guy, last man out. And then there was the uh, African-American guy who was in World Trade Center 7, uh, and but yeah, they that that guy he gives an account of coming down into the the lobby and stepping over bodies in the lobby, and there weren't any bodies in the lobby, and yet he's being lauded as being this uh, this whistleblower, this guy who explains that there were explosions before uh, World Trade Center two collapsed, and people point to him and say, look, this is this is evidence, but you know he 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 got it wrong, but people still point to him. And the other guy, yeah, it's a similar type of thing. There were explosions in the lobby. Uh, he says they were before the planes hit. Like Everybody else says that they were after the planes hit. Uh, and so it doesn't make any sense that there would be explosions in the lobby before the planes hit anyway. Uh, and it would be very, very obvious if that had actually happened and lots of people would have been witnesses to it. But uh, well, it, it, it doesn't I, hold I, up. I personally don't know who you I'm, I personally don't know who you're talking about, so I wouldn't be able to yeah. verify those or not. Uh, I'm terrible with names. There are, certain, there are certain whistleblowers like uh, William Binney, former NSA technical director. He's also a mathematician, and he basically is in disagreement with this finding of the collapse of the buildings. Yeah, uh, and you, you can always find somebody who will take a certain position. Uh, but, you know, unless they can actually come up with some different evidence or a, a good analysis of that evidence, they're really just working the same with the same set of data as we are. Uh, like the architects and engineers, if you read what they say in their position statements, they're really no different to just your average person who's, you know, watched uh, a few videos and has come to the conclusion, uh, except they happen to be uh, the architects. That's that's highly dismissive. No, um, it's it's. I've read a lot of these position statements, and I encourage other people to do it too. Uh, and they are all very similar. They're all just like, oh, I I saw it and I immediately knew that it was impossible. It's like they have very little data, or they say they later saw some video, like they saw loose change, and then they were convinced because they watched loose change. The the architects and engineers seem to have very uh, similar routes into routes into uh, belief that regular people have, like they will watch a video or they uh, had an immediate response when they saw the towers fall that they couldn't believe that, you know, it was happening. It looked really weird. The explosions were strange. 
uh, the way the power has exploded outwards. Uh, so they don't really seem that different to regular people. So you would say that someone like Tony Zambotti, who you mm-hmm. had a debate with, has yeah. only just watched a movie or so. And no, no, no. He's obviously he's done a lot of that. stuff, but I think his um, his belief is because he essentially... did a very in depth analysis about the gir- about the girders and how. Oh, yeah. They all... I watched I watched the debate with you and him, and it didn't seem like he just watched a movie. And came to a decision about 9/11. Because yeah. I've watched a bunch of testimony on a 9/11, and a lot of them are pretty knowledgeable. Like there's demolition technical loader, uh, there's chemical engineers, there's people who do all sorts of things. And a yeah. 9/11 is not just architects and engineers. There's chemical engineers, there's demolitions experts, there's architects, yeah. there's mechanical engineers. But, you know, we, we did a. I did a, a, a paper, uh, I collaborated on a paper about chemtrails uh, a few years ago. And uh, we asked a bunch of scientists, you know, whether they thought there was evidence for, for a secret spraying program like chemtrails. And we expected everyone to say no. I think we asked uh, 77 people. And uh, actually one guy said yes. He said that there was uh, possibly evidence of, of chemtrails. And he wasn't convinced otherwise. And there are people with PhDs who think that chemtrails are real. And I don't know what, what your opinion is about the, the chemtrail conspiracy theory, but you can always find someone who will believe. Chemtrails is a different example. Chemtrail is a different example. For example, if we were to go to the same group of people and ask them all for their belief in a religious deity, I bet you a lot more people would claim that than they would chemtrails. Yeah, but it, you know, if if five percent of people think that nine yeah, eleven was controlled demolition, it's, it's an irrelevant comparison. It doesn't matter what you compare it to or what what other things people believe in. We're talking about just nine eleven here, like, right? But my point is, you can always find somebody to believe in whatever your theory is. There'll always be a percentage of people who believe that uh, you know a theory is correct, especially if it's presented in a, a compelling way. Like if there's you know. Agreed. Good and, videos and, or whatever. Yeah, and, and, yeah, agreed. And and that yeah, and that's to sum up that this the official version of the story and this version, they're all also theories. They are just a government sponsored conspiracy theory. <sighs> yeah, uh, I'm not sure what you mean by that. The, oh, the, the the official story is a I mean, essentially a conspiracy theory because it posits a conspiracy amongst the terrorists. I mean, but, and and it persists a theory of how they did it because, like you said, there's unanswered questions. They don't know everything, mm-hmm. so therefore, since they don't know everything, it is just a theory based on their based on their understanding of how it happened of a conspiracy. So it is the government sponsored conspiracy theory. Yeah. Well, this this has been uh, going like, on for. You, like you must be aware of Russia Gate. This is a good example of government right, yes. sponsored conspiracy. Uh, would you say government-sponsored conspiracy theory? I mean, like Donald Trump is part of the government; he's not sponsoring it. Oh, oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, it's part of the government. Well, you could say bipartisan-sponsored conspiracy theory. I mean, from the Democrats, then you have it from yeah, then you have it from the mainstream media, uh, who who are pushing it to pe- uh, people like on shows like NBC and whatnot. So they were pushing the whole. So what essentially was was. Russia and Trump got together, conspired that they were going to affect the elections, which is illegal, in secret, which is a conspiracy theory. And they had been pushing this narrative for a long time, and a lot of people believed in it. 
And so my question to you, so like, just like you asked me, if the 9-11 thing is true, how come so many people don't believe it? My question to you is, not Russia, so now we know Russia Gate is false, the new report has come out. How did so many believe people, how did so many people believe something so untrue? Well, I think it seemed very plausible at the time, because we know that Russia did uh, interfere in the elections, and we know that things happened, like, you know, uh, uh, they had meetings with uh, with Russian people, not necessarily to discuss that. And we know the Mueller report didn't exonerate Trump from collusion. He just said that collusion was not proven. He didn't say it didn't happen. He's just saying there isn't, like, you know, enough evidence for him to bring a prosecution. Uh, it's probably something we should continue to look at. And we know, you know, like I said, that the Russians did actually do a significant amount of work yeah, trying to affect the, the election. The controlled demolition. You can you can say that controlled demolition didn't happen because of what all that we've known is that they didn't test for it completely. So there is no way to say that it didn't completely happen, which well, is we the could, exact same scenario. We can say that it wasn't necessary for the buildings to collapse based on our analysis of the structures of the buildings that a fire would actually cause this type of collapse. And this is what it would look like. Uh, and there's, there's really no, well, from my perspective and from, you know, most of the, the scientists that I've talked to about it and, you know, obviously NIST, the, the fire induced collapse explains what we saw. And you're saying that it doesn't explain what we saw, or at least that not, not fully in your mind, but, um, so I don't really think it's the same type of thing as like you know was there a conspiracy by by Trump uh, it, to collude with it, the Russians? It can't explain it. It can't explain why we collapsed because as I said they didn't test all the hypotheses. They narrowed the field of scope. And well, no, it's down, it's, it's yeah, a hypothesis that is went plausible. Down, went down the road that was most complicit with the story that would benefit the government essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to. Uh, uh, it's been very, very interesting talking to you, and I, but I do have to like you know cut it off at some point. And we're like an hour and a half now, which is a bit longer than my normal podcast, uh, uh, and I do have to go. Well, but I, I, it, I didn't it, realize it went on for so long. Yeah, it's, it's always very interesting talking uh, to people like you. <laughs> you you don't you don't realize how long you can talk about these things, but there's so much in it. There's so many different topics. But that, and it kind of goes back yeah, to what I was saying earlier. Yeah. We're regurgitating stuff here. We're, we're going over arguments that have been gone over before many, many times. And to some extent, you know, maybe you're educating me about, you know, things I'm missing. And maybe I'm trying to educate you about things that I think you're missing. But these are things that have been going on and on for, for years. Like, you know, for ever since the start, people have been having these discussions. And I don't really know how it's going to change because I don't think there's going to be a new... Uh, investigation and I don't think you know when Professor Hulse's report comes out on uh, September the 3rd I don't think that's really going to change anything people will just nitpick it and point out problems with it uh, so I, what what are you what's your feeling about what you personally are going to do uh, regarding 9-11 in the future are you going to keep some kind of activism going or just I don't know, posting online what's what's your plan yeah, that's a good question, actually. But yeah, again, I want to say, Mick, like, uh, despite our differences, it's been actually a good, it's been a good experience to be on here. And I once again want to thank you for inviting me on. So okay. It's been good to talk to you, been good to clear some of the, some of the thoughts we have, some disagreements we have. It's helped, it's helped me. And as you said, it's actually been educational to me in that maybe there are some things that I might need to reval- reevaluate or look into further. 
And perhaps I hope that you also have the same experience that maybe there's some things that you might need to reconsider or look into further as well. And uh, yeah, so in the future, like basically, yeah, I would hope that like I don't do any sort of formal activism, uh, let's say nothing formal or uh, professional or semi-professional or anything like that. I would mainly just because I run my own personal blog and I think I would mainly just uh, keep it to that. Maybe just if, if anyone in my friend circle or uh, if I do get a little bit more of exposure, if people read it, maybe they do. But uh, no, actually, I mean, it, it really depends. It depends on the circumstances. It depends on what's at stake. Like, say, if, if there actually is some, uh, some movement to start a new investigation, sure, I'd support it. I'd sign up for it. I'd, uh, I'd do a petition for a new investigation to be reopened. All right. Yeah, well, maybe uh, I wouldn't mind there being a new investigation, to be honest, because I think it would clarify things. I really don't think it's going to happen, though. I don't think that uh, uh, Hulse's investigation is going to provide any real impetus. I think AE911 is just going to continue doing what they do, like uh, promoting the cause and raising money and uh, trying to spread the word. Uh, but uh, I don't think anything is really going to change. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe it will. And, uh, and I think... What I what I try to do is just basically try to look at individual things that are false and try to clarify them, and I think that moves everybody closer to the truth. You know, I don't think there was a controlled demolition, but if there was, then by removing things that are false, it should uh, yeah make it more clear what actually happened. So that's what I'm going to try and do. Yeah, and, uh, and that, that's exactly that's exactly why, like I said, I I do I do think there is value in. There obviously is value in clearing falsities in any in any kind of argument mm. or report or or study, but it's just it's just the problem of uh, while while there are people who do see conspiracies everywhere, and I would say like honestly, it's really only nine eleven mainly that and like obviously when it comes to media propaganda and stuff, but those things are actually documented like the Smith Smith Modernization Act, like those aren't conspiracy theories; those are actually like proper media facts that we have in the political landscape. So, so I'd say 9-11 is probably the only one. Yeah, we actually think we can talk about that Sorry. type of thing uh, some other time because uh, I, like, uh, I like broadening out into other other topics besides 9-11. But anyway, I want to thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to finish off saying before we before we end? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just trying to finish off what I was trying to say. Yeah, okay. So basically, while there are people who uh, seek uh, see conspiracies everywhere, I do think that there are also people who just dismiss everything out of hand. Uh, and I think that we just need to be careful of being critical, especially when it comes to the when it comes to things that are conspiracy related. I mean, if you just dis- dismiss everything because it happens to be of a conspiratorial nature, then people who do cons- who do conspire will inevitably get away with them much easier. Yeah, yeah, I certainly encourage people to be vigilant of uh, of their own governments because you know people have been shown in the past uh, to do bad things, and you know we should keep uh, keep an eye on the people in power. All right, well, thank right. you very much. Uh, it's, oh, it's been it's been else? good to be on with you, Mick. Uh, thank you for inviting me on again. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, have a happy day. Yeah, you too.